everybody, I am Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message for March 25th, 2021. And I have a feeling that a whole bunch of you might have two screens open right now because the man pretending to be President Joe Biden is giving his first press conference in over two months of being president. But I know that you're good, loyal viewers of the Rubin Report, so you're watching me, you're watching the president, and side by side, it's now up to you to decide who makes more sense. Uh, there's a lot of weirdness coming out of this press conference. It just started about 15 minutes ago. If you're not watching it, or even if you have watched it or you're in the midst of watching it, we're, gonna, we're just gonna throw you one clip right now. And you tell me if Joe Biden is okay. Here we go. So the best way to get something done, if, you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Miss Kim. What am I supposed to add to that? I am not showing that clip to be a dick. Like, did I vote for the guy? No. Do I think that the Democrats have gone completely insane? Yes. Would I prefer that the president of the United States be cognitively okay? Be, would I prefer that we were all confident that this man was a sensible steward of our country? Of course, this is actually depressing. And as many times as I talk about it, I, will, I don't wanna do it every time, but I will occasionally throw in the caveat that I'm not trying to be glib about cognitive issues or dementia or Alzheimer's or any of those things. One of my grandmas had it, had dementia, and I spent a lot of time going to geriatric hospitals with her and all the specialists and all of that stuff and around the repetition and sometimes the anger and forgetting what you're saying and all of those things. That man should not be president of the United States. I don't think I'm saying anything that's particularly controversial. If you care about America, this is not a partisan issue. Something is seriously wrong there. Something is seriously wrong there. Let's also keep in mind, he's getting prepackaged questions all from friendly reporters that he obviously knows what the questions are. He has tons of notes in front of him. He can't do this. He cannot do this job. And if you think he's in charge of this operation, I got a bridge to sell you. I mean, it's very, it's very, very confusing people. Like something ain't right and we're just not supposed to see it. So you tell me tonight, don't take my word for it. Tell me tonight if CNN will cover that and whatever other gaffes happen. You tell me if they're gonna do it. I'm not gonna watch CNN. I mean, somebody will probably send me the clips, but I'm not gonna do it. You tell me if the New York Times covers it. You tell me if the Washington Post covers it, or if they don't want you to see a certain something. And then they can package whatever they like out of him, whatever sensible stuff he can put together that fits their narrative. If they can put that as the headline or that as the lead story, and then you just kind of don't see the other stuff thus leaving us in a constant reality war where some people see the truth and some people see nonsense. What are we gonna do about this? I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. However, while Joe Biden takes prepackaged questions that he was prepped on and has notes for, I'm doing a live Q&A today. We got about 100 questions at the uh, rubenreport.locals.com community. My producer, Michael, selected them. They're right in front of me here. I don't prepare in advance. We're just gonna figure it out. But before we get to that, guys, I wanna talk to you about Ancestry.com 
Did your great-grandmother work hard to raise her children and keep her family together? Did your family preserve, uh, persevere through natural disasters to rebuild and start anew? Was there a healthcare worker in your family's past who cared for another generation facing a pandemic? Our ancestors were ordinary people who lived through extraordinary situations, something we can all understand today. Challenging times are nothing new, neither are resilient people. Learning about the struggles and adversity your family went through can bring you closer to your own family today as you share stories from new bonds. <clears throat> Ancestry helps you search billions of records to learn more about the ancestors who came through remarkable challenges so you could be here today. You can find details about their lives, see what they did to earn a living in a census record, or see their actual signature on a military record as they signed up to fight for the country. Learning their stories helps you find a connection to what they went through and how they stood strong through hardships and struggles. When you get closer to your ancestors by learning their stories, you have a new way to get closer to your family. There's strength in every family story and you can learn more about your family at Ancestry.com slash Ruben to start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, I wanna show you two quick videos about masks from yesterday before we get to the Q&A. Uh, first up, First up, Ted Cruz was uh, doing a little impromptu press conference yesterday and a reporter confronted him because he wasn't wearing a mask. Uh, yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not gonna wear a mask and all of us have been immunized, so. Uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. Yeah, good job, Ted. I generally like Ted. You guys have probably seen the video of me playing Nintendo with him at my house. He's a good guy, I think he makes sense. I think he cares about the country, cares about the Constitution, cares about personal liberty, cares about freedom. We've all been immunized. This is absolute theater that a reporter would ask him to do it. And that is the type of attitude that our good public leaders, and there ain't many of them, need to take with the media. Like that's just absolute theater. That's that guy trying to control Cruz. Cruz wouldn't have it. And that's sort of a beautiful thing. Uh, then I saw this one. Uh, this is from CBS, uh, Mexico's newest trend related to masks. Guy, give me the strength, give me the strength. Uh, what you're seeing there are people wearing masks over their nose. Now they still wear the face mask. They take that off so that they can eat using their mouth, their boca, uh, but they keep the nose mask on to make sure that germs aren't spreading out of the nose. I guarantee you there's no science behind this and this is just complete lunacy, like pretty much everything. Uh, or as they say in Mexico, estupido. Muy, muy estupido. Okay, people, let's get to a Q&A. And, and again, the Biden thing's still going on. We might live stream a little later if we just get like a whole bunch more crazy clips and I'll, I'll analyze them for you, but we shall see. In any event, we're gonna do about 10 questions right now. Here we go. Clickaholic says, is the US to blame for Central Americans coming here or is it their governments? Ah, that's a complex one up top. Well, first, you know, I was just watching some of the Biden thing and 
One of the questions by a PBS journalist who's really just a Democratic activist was in effect, what, you know, what are you doing about the border? What's going on here? People like you so much, you were thought of as so nice. And Biden was basically like, you know, well, the reason they're coming is because I'm nice. You know, I'm a lot nicer than that other guy and that's why they're coming and okay, yeah, I'm nice, that's great. Now look, we are a nation of immigrants. What does it say on the Statue of Liberty? Something about the huddled masses. You come here, the tired, the poor, the whole thing, and virtually everyone makes a better life for themselves, and then the generation after them is better, and all that good stuff. You guys know all about that stuff. I don't have to sell you on any of that. However, as I said the other day, we got some problems now. We got major, major problems. We got a president with dementia. That's on the list, on top of the economy and whatever's left with COVID and lockdowns and a horrific mainstream media and all those, those things. So we got some stuff we gotta work on here. And now we have all these immigrants rushing the border and they're basically sort of being told you can stay or you kinda have to go back or we're gonna put you in these cages or maybe we're gonna fly you up north. So when you say who's to blame, whether it's sort of us or it's the Central American countries, the, the leadership in these countries and the media, I think it's everybody. We, the United States, have given very, very mixed messages. We've played a couple clips about this over the last few weeks where Biden administration officials, in effect, have been saying, oh, you can come, but not right now. We've gotta work things out. But that sort of is winking to the people like, come because you know we're not just gonna send you back, right? We'll, we'll get you in some facility and then we'll figure out something. And then you have the Democrats trying to push all this legislation where we're gonna give all these people benefits and, and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I also thought, I thought we had a pandemic, yet we're keeping people in cages in these little, you saw these uh, metallic blankets. I mean, the whole thing is very bizarre. So I would say it's partly our fault in that we, it's very obvious the Democrats want more people here, right? They want more people here for the sort of finishing blow on democracy, right? Like they want more people here for more voters. That's why they want DC statehood and the rest of it because they just wanna clinch the game that they've been playing for a while. And politics is a messy game. And that's not to say the Republicans are so great because they're not. But the Democrats obviously want more people here knowing, oh, we can just give them a lot of handouts. They'll become reliant on us. They'll vote for us. We become a one party country and an adios democracy and adios freedom and adios the United States of America. So I do blame our administration in that regard. I have no doubt, and I don't know that I have enough information, and I assure you nobody on CNN that's you know, pretending to be a news anchor does, about what specifically you know, the leaders in these Central American countries or the, or the political pundits or the media class, whatever it is, what they're saying to them to, to you know, get these people to be pushed over. But we know that there's a lot of money in trafficking people and the rest of it. So I think everyone's probably to blame. And if you want, like if I was an elected official, God forbid, my policy would be simple right now about the border. Well, first off, in general about the borders, every country has a right to defend its borders as it sees fit. That's the point of having a country. That's the point of having sovereign nations. You got a geographic area, you can defend it, and what goes on in your area is up to you, and you probably shouldn't attack the other people, but if they're coming for you, you're allowed to attack them. You know, we can get into all the, the ins and outs of all of that. But my policy would be, sorry, we're, we're shutting everything down for a little while. We're in the middle of this, uh, they're telling us the worst pandemic in 100 years and all of this stuff. It's like, we got some stuff to figure out. We'll, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you because we got to take care of our house first. Isaiah says, as the left continues to try and dismantle our constitution and almost entirely get rid of our second amendment rights, will states be able to push back on federal orders? This is a huge, huge question. I'm glad you asked this because one of the clips that I played a couple times during the democratic debates was when Kamala Harris, before she dropped out polling at 0%, was talking about executive actions on guns. 
right? And that was the question, will you do an executive action on guns? Now, from everything I understand about the Constitution, and I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I've talked to a lot of constitutional scholars and I have a little understanding of the separation of powers, um, the federal government can't pass a law that would infringe on one of our God-given rights in the Bill of Rights, right? The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. So you can't do an executive action on guns. Now, that's not really the way we're governed because everyone does everything by executive actions and unfortunately the paper that is the Constitution is being trampled on all the time. In any event, there was a question asked of Joe Biden first about would you do an executive action on guns? And we'll, we'll find the clip and we'll play it again next week because it's a, it's a really profound moment. Michael, make sure we grab that. Um, Joe Biden, in essence, says, well, you'd have to do it constitutionally. You can't just do that. It would have to be constitutional. And then the camera pans over to, to Kamala Harris and with her evil cackle laugh, she goes, Joe, Joe, can't we just say, yes, we can? <laughs> Joe. Whew. Oh, a little rush to the head there. Um, that tells you the fundamental difference between these people. Joe Biden, who obviously is not cognitively right, I believe that he, at his heart and at his best, wanted to do things the right way probably 20 years ago. It doesn't mean I agree with all the decisions, but wanted to do something that was constitutional and, and within the guidelines of the system. Kamala Harris does not care. And that's, that's also the real danger that's happening right now because when they get rid of Biden, which they will get rid of Biden, obviously, she's gonna step in and would she, would she be more than happy to sign an executive action on guns? Well, she already said that she would. And again, she was polling at 0% in her own party when she stepped down and then they picked her. Why would they pick someone polling at 0%? Hmm, meditate on that, I will. EJ says, how young should we start talking to kids about these big topics? BLM Inc., critical race theory, intersectionality, politics stuff, because if we don't, they'll hear it from school or YouTube or the Cartoon Network. Well, yeah, good God, I'm glad you mentioned the Cartoon Network because we had that ridiculous cartoon that we played a couple weeks ago, that promo they did all with like the worst sort of social justice nonsense and that your race actually matters more. And it's like, your point is a good one because as a parent, what do you do? You put kids in front of the TV sometimes, you put kids in front of iPads, you don't know what they're seeing. You know, we don't have kids yet, we're working on it, but once we have kids, you know, I'm gonna have a couple years, you know, before they're say four or five when they can start ingesting information in that regard. That, so I have, a, I have a window to play with right now where I can talk about this, I suppose, at an ideal level and not at like the granular, oh, I've got kids, what am I doing level? Uh, but I do have nieces and nephews and I've discussed this with my brother and my sister and, my, and their husbands and wives and it's like, it's really tough. Like, I don't think you should be sitting five-year-olds down and, and talking to them about all of these things. Kids don't see color, kids, kids are good. You know, and if you teach them the right things about being a good person and all of those things, like that will, that will transcend some of this stuff. And then your point though is valid because it's like, well, all right, if you don't warn them about some of these bad ideas, they're gonna start hearing them. And this goes to what I've been saying about public schools. It's like, how can you send your kid to a public school at this point if you have the means not to do so? And obviously not everyone does. Uh, but this is also sadly why Democrats don't want school choice because they want these indoctrination centers to be want, run. Why does Bernie Sanders want everyone to get free college? Well, what a great place to brainwash everybody. It's not because he wants everyone to learn about capitalism, right? He doesn't want everyone to start reading Thomas Sowell while in college. He wants them to be brainwashed into being the next generation of socialists. Um, so this is a huge issue. And I think the best that any of us can do 
whether it's your kids or your siblings or your parents or whatever, just keep breaking it down into that local level and, and you gotta figure it out for your kid. But I, I would imagine it would be very scary to have say a fifth grader right now uh, who one day is coming home and is suddenly extremely confused about their gender identity or, so, or suddenly thinks that you're a racist or a series of other things, not because any of it's true, but just because it's endlessly discussed in school as opposed to teaching them say math or science or economics or history. Well, they teach them history, but you know it's not the right history anymore. So it's a huge problem, it's a great question. I'd love to actually, if any of you are, are parents, I'd love to uh, hear some of your thoughts on that. Uh, so comment in, in the post from this video on rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, oh, and by the way, we are doing a panel tomorrow all about education, so I will bring this up. Thanks for the heads up over there. Uh, so we have three people, all experts in education, all related to all of this. So uh, that will be tomorrow live at 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Anya asks, what do you think needs to happen so people wake up from COVID mania, fear and unreasonable thinking? Man, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I had a few people over for dinner last night again. That would be highly illegal and not something that someone like me would do. And that video that I posted on Twitter of all the uh, glasses filled with whiskey, that was clearly, uh, that was done on Photoshop. I didn't really do that with other people. I mean, come on, what do you think I am, a murderer or something? Um, I don't know. How do you break people out of fear? What has affected us more, really, as a, as a nation, as a, as a populace in the world? Was it COVID or was it the lockdowns, the destruction of jobs, the, the depression, the alcoholism, all of those things? Was it the disease itself or was it what we then allowed them to do to us in the name of protecting us from said disease? You tell me which, which one affected you more. That's not to diminish, you know, about 500,000 people died in the United States, a huge, huge percentage of them were elderly people with at least one other comorbidity, usually obesity or diabetes, and often a whole bunch of other things. That doesn't, that doesn't take away, that doesn't diminish their deaths. It's still sad no matter what. We also had the lowest amount of flu deaths, uh, I think since recording, something like that, last year, so that's, that's very bizarre. But the fear is what I always feared. They say there's nothing to fear but fear itself, but I say the fear is what I always feared because it was the idea that once we started this thing, two weeks to flatten the curve and we knew it wasn't gonna be two weeks, but we all played along. And then it was, okay, now we're just gonna shut down till April. And then April rolled around and I remember when Newsom said, now we're gonna shut down till August. And I was saying there, of course, they're gonna continue it again in August. And now guys, we're at the end of March in the following year. And I still see here in LA people, almost everyone actually, walking around in masks. And you know, I talk about all the time, you walk your dog down the street and they pull the dogs away from each other and the dogs are fearful. It's like, how do you break out of that? And, and the training that we have done to young people so that, oh, authority said something, you better follow it no matter what. No, whoa, 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 you asking questions? We're gonna delete your YouTube channel. Like there is, there is such a cascade of problems that I don't think we can fully acknowledge right now because one thing we do, and social media has done this to us, we live in the, in the moment to moment right now and we don't think about what's coming or what was. And we gotta start thinking about it better and remove ourselves from some of that stuff. So I, I don't know, uh, but I can tell you this, this is also where the federalist system kind of works because when I've been in Florida, most of the people that I saw were way less fearful. And what the hell am I doing here? Good question. It wasn't asked specifically, but thank you for bringing it up for myself and my internal 
thought process. Uh, Ginger says, I love Trump's actions and policies. Do you think it's possible he contributed to cancel culture with name calling? Yes, to some degree, of course, right? Like Trump, Trump was the blunt instrument for a time when a lot of evil was spreading. Trump was not a perfect man. I have no doubt Trump has done immoral things. Trump probably womanized, lied, probably didn't do all the most honest things related to business. I think in essence, he was just a a New York City real estate guy. That's a freaking tough business. That is a tough business. Going, making all your money in the 70s, 80s, 90s in New York business, like you're gonna have to go through a lot of crap. Owning casinos in Vegas, uh, in uh, Atlantic City, like, well, he also owned casinos in Vegas, but you know, most of the stuff was in Atlantic City. Like that sort of world and the relationship to big business and the mafia and all of that stuff, it's just, it's all stuff that was there and he kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. What I always say is if you watch those videos, which you can still get on YouTube, at least for now, of Trump in the 80s on Phil Donahue, on Oprah asking him if he's gonna run for president, in essence, he was saying the same exact things. He's less orange, his affect is a little softer. Um, But over time, as he kind of went against the machine, he fought back using every tool he had, right? He brought uh, women that had accused Bill Clinton of rape to the debates with Hillary Clinton. He called people names, he was petty at times, all of those things. Did I love all of that stuff? Of course not, actually, the first time around, that's very much why I was against him. But I came to realize only a very imperfect creature who would do what it was necessary to do to fight the much bigger monster that is the Democratic Party plus the media, that he was a sort of needed, he was a needed beast in a way. But did he contribute to cancel culture because because it made it very easy for everything to get ramped up? Yes. One of the interesting things is when I've talked to my very wise liberal friends, the last remaining few liberals, who in essence I think have gotten everything wrong, but if the few that will still talk to me, they they many of them were saying, oh, uh, after after Trump lost the election. Many of them were saying, well, don't worry, because now that Biden's in charge, even though we don't think Biden's great, just the idea that Trump is gone, it will lower the temperature. The temperature will now be lowered. Well, does anyone honestly think the temperature has been lowered? Are people getting less canceled now? Does the tenor seem better? Uh, we were told we have to heal, H-E-A-L, when mostly they mean H-E-E-L. Uh, this, is, this is a problem that we gotta deal with. So I think he probably contributed to it for sure, uh, but I wouldn't say he was the main factor. I would just say he was a symptom within that. Uh, SETI says, how big of a paycheck would it take for you to play the lead role in a Bernie Sanders biopic. <laughs> I'm Bernie Sanders, and I think you're a right-wing racist, and I want your money, and I'm gonna give it to him, and I'm Bernie Sanders, and I'm Jackie Mason, and I'm um, I guess if somebody was willing to pay for me to do that, I might be willing to do it, um, but probably Larry David should be doing it, right? Uh, that would be the best <laughs> version of it. Uh, Pamela says, locals is a great concept. If we're all focused on improving ourselves and helping our local community, then there really wouldn't be a need for heavy national government or overreaching world power. Testify, sister. How can we do a better job of spreading local vibes in a more contagious way? Love this question. This is not gonna be the most fun answer, but I think really try to meet some of your neighbors. They may not be that friendly. I live in LA, it's not the friendliest group of people, but some of the neighbors are nice. And you know, when we moved here, the neighbors next door actually brought us a a little gift basket, a little champagne in there, a little chocolate, some dog food for Clyde, you know, some dog treats. Um, Try to realize that 
even though I've only seen them like a handful of times since then, it's like, oh, they welcomed us to the neighborhood. We owe, you know, we say hi all the time. You know, it's a weird time because of the pandemic, obviously. But like, I don't care what their politics are. I genuinely don't care. I suspect they're probably not that close to my politics. Um, but me, making friends or at least acquaintances or saying hello to people, that's why I always bring up the hello thing uh, when you're walking the streets because it's so important to realize that these are other people. They're actual living, breathing human beings with the same fears that you have, the same uh, drive and passions that you have. All of our levers are pulled and pushed a little bit differently, but we're all human beings here. And I think the best thing you can do is get involved in your local community, know who you, your local representative is. You know, it's like, we want the government, the federal government to do everything. And it's like, well, my local government, they're not doing a great job with homelessness here, right? I keep telling you about under the highway here that these homeless guys are building like a massive complex at this point, uh, they're not doing that good of a job, you know, with say lowering taxes so that we could maybe have more businesses come back, that, that would be nice. Get involved at that level because the, nobody's coming to save you. I mean, that's the thing. So knowing your neighbors, I think is important, important and then knowing who your representatives are and, you know, I, I'll try one other thing with you too and I'm writing about this in, in my next book is that if you take care of your property, Really take care of your property. Like make sure your lawn is mowed, make sure um, you know the cobwebs aren't all over your house. Doesn't, doesn't matter if you have a great house or a little shack or whatever. Like actually bring your garbage cans in when it's, not, when it's not garbage pickup day. If you do little things so that when someone walks by your home, they go, oh, there's someone who cares a little bit, cares a little bit about themselves, cares a little bit about the community, they might start doing it. They might start doing that. I, I actually am writing about this in my next book, uh, and I'll have more on that in, in the next couple of weeks. But in the in the previous place that we lived, um, when we moved there, a lot of people just left their garbage cans out on the street all day long. So we started doing it. And after a year of living there, I realized that when I went to other neighborhoods, like nicer neighborhoods, because we didn't live in the nicest neighborhood, it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't spectacular. I realized, well, wait a minute, other people put all their trash cans away, and I live in an area, a couple square blocks, where everyone leaves their garbage cans out, like. That tells you a little something and all it takes is one guy to do it. And then you might go, hey, you know, I'm gonna do that too. And suddenly enough people do it and then your neighborhood looks a lot nicer. Like I know that may sound like little minutia or maybe not even that important, but I, are, I do think that there are little ways to contribute to your community and, and you don't even have to say hello to anyone to do that sort of thing. Uh, Jeff says, when do you think Disney Plus will remove the Star Wars prequel trilogy because of the racist portrayal of Jar Jar Binks? Yes, well, look, you wanna play by their rules, Disney? I mean, Misa Jar Jar, Misa Annoying, Misa Jamaican, what happened? Um, like, right, like, I guess he was a bad Jamaican parody, right? And, and people have made a point of this, that the, the separatist leaders, you know, Newt Gonray and, and the other guy, whatever his name was, that they were bad Asian stereotypes. I don't know if it was just lazy writing, by George Lucas, and by the way, guys, you know my feelings about the prequels. I think they get better and better over time, and they're gonna be looked at very, very differently than, than the way most people look at them now, and the struggle between, between power and starting a war so that you can keep attaining power, and the story of Palpatine is phenomenal, and the last three sucked, okay, blah, 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 but Misa got a big problem because Misa, a, a racist portrayal of a Jamaican. What are we gonna do? Yeah, so uh, go ahead, Disney. Like, you wanna do it? I've, I've got the DVD copy because I know they're taking all the digital stuff away from us at some point anyway. Uh, Shanru says, what happened to Clyde's Nancy Pelosi chew toy? So somebody sent us a, a bunch of 
chew toys for Clyde and, and uh, you know, people send us all sorts of stuff. And if, if you've ever sent anything to us, I thank you. Like we have, we have a lot of stuff. Actually, we're gonna do some giveaways because people send us a lot of stuff. We keep as much as we can, but like I would need another house at this point. So we're gonna do some giveaways of, of books and extra trinkets and, and odd things. And people send me artwork and we do keep again as much as we can, but we're gonna do some giveaways uh, via the locals community. But anyway, he destroyed that thing. I mean, he dismantled Nancy Pelosi. I wanna go on the record that I do not endorse political violence. I am completely against uh, violence at all times, against anyone, we should not be doing that. Uh, but Clyde, man, he was mounting that thing. He was just ripping her apart, shredded her. We had just the Nancy Pelosi with no stuffing, which is probably what Nancy Pelosi would look like without the Botox. And we had that for a while. We had that for a while, and uh, then we we got rid of that thing. So he's uh, he's working on a big snake right now. That's we got a, we got a big snake right now, which is actually come to think of it, sort of like Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. All right, guys. Part two of my interview with Lawrence Fox, British actor who actually is becoming a politician, started his own political party to fight back on so much of the stuff that I talk about here all the time. Started the Reclaim Party. He's running for mayor of London. Uh, it's up right now. And of course, the full episode is up at rubenreport.locals.com. Absolutely free. And we are doing a panel on education tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have Corey DeAngelis from Reason Magazine, Jill Simonian from PragerU, and Sam Sorbo, who's Kevin Sorbo's wife, and she's a homeschool advocate. I actually met her a couple couple weeks back in Florida, great lady, so I'm looking forward to chatting with all of them. Uh, I thank you guys for watching, and again, if you had the double screens up, I hope I, I just hope that I did a little bit better than Joe Biden. I didn't have to do much today, right? Because he's doing a Q&A, in effect, I'm doing a Q&A, and all I had to do was have half the ability to say anything somewhat sensible. I think I pretty much did that. So if we were grading me today, you know, I thought yesterday's show, for example, was an A. I was on point, I felt good about it, we were sharp and ready to roll. Today, it would just be a pass-fail, right? Because it doesn't matter what I really did here. I just had to do a little bit better than old Joe. Anyway, we're gonna look at some of the clips as they keep rolling throughout the day, and we may do a bonus live stream a little bit later. I'm on, I'm on a whole bunch of shows today. I think I'm on OAN later. I was on Newsmax this morning. Uh, I'm on another podcast a little later today, so it's gonna be a busy one. Uh, oh, and last thing, uh, as I said, we got some major locals announcements, which I believe we can drop secretly at rubenreport.locals.com tomorrow, and then we will announce publicly on Monday. Anyway, uh, good talk, everybody. I enjoyed this, hope you did too. Have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.